This is the Daily Roll Call Podcast, talking Tennessee with Kathy Henners. Hey, welcome to the Daily Roll Call Podcast. I'm Kathy Henners, your host, along with Dave Vance, our co-host. In previous episodes, we have discussed this Marxist-Communist uh, connections to the Black Lives Moon Movement and Antifa. Um, but a connection that we haven't really talked about is the Islamic Jihadist one. Here to discuss that and much more is John Guandolo, the president and founder of Understanding the Threat, which is the only organization in America that provides tools to our leaders, police, and citizens to identify and dismantle jihadist terrorist networks in their local communities. So John is a former FBI agent that was assigned to the Counterterrorism Division in Washington, D.C. He is also the author of Raising a Jihadi Generation, and his new book, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, Islam's Deception, the Truth About Sharia Law. So welcome to the show, John. Thanks very much, Kathy. Great to be on with you all. You know, as the title of your book, your new book, and one of your recent articles mentions the word truth, could you tell our audience a little bit about the jihadi connection? Absolutely. I think it's important, uh, first of all, to really define what we're talking about, because we are not merely talking about groups. We are talking about capital M movements, or uh, from a warfighting perspective, a counterstate. Uh, or uh, an entity, a counterstate being a, uh, a clandestine entity that operates with a full organization, strategy, lines of operation, leadership, funding. And we have in the United States today a communist counterstate and an uh, Islamic counterstate. And each of them individually is a grave danger to the republic. Um, and it's really important for your listeners to understand how they operate. The real danger is that each of these very dangerous counterstates, entities, they're working together. They're working with each other, and they're working at the local level, at the ground level. They're working at the state level. They're working at the national level, and they're working at the international level. Um, and therein lives a, a grave issue. So at the local level, you've got operators and planners for Antifa and Black Lives Matter, as well as other communist organizations uh, working at the ground level with Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas organizations. At the state level, we see them operating both at the political and the actual operational level. At the national level, you have the national leader of Hamas, Nihad Awad, acknowledging several years ago that Black Lives Matter is their matter, that the Black Lives Matter is their campaign. And then at the international level, you've got COM intern, the International Communist Party, working with international jihadi organizations. And we even have Antifa from the United States working with ISIS and Al-Qaeda elements. And we know they were meeting in Germany to plan attacks in the United States. So uh, at all levels, uh, there's a, an interoperability that's, uh, that's happening. And your average police officer has no understanding of it. And um, in our experience, the, the federal agencies actually are worse in their understanding. And, and most state and local police agencies are looking to the feds on these kinds of issues for guidance. And uh, they're, not, they're not getting it. So most police departments have figured out uh, what's going on from a practical experience. Sadly, police departments uh, 
have police chiefs who are kneeling in the streets with uh, communists from Black Lives Matter. Uh, so we have we have some major issues, yeah. and again, not an understanding that these uh, the communist elements at the ground level are actually working uh, overtly with uh, terrorist groups like Hamas and uh, Muslim Brotherhood. So, John, when you talk about Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood, you know, a lot of times people, in in my experience, look at you like, well, they're over there. Can you just elaborate on who some of the um, organizations, the Islamic organizations that would fall under Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood would be in this country? Yes, that's a good question and a good good follow-up question. Thanks for asking it. So um, we have a, a vast amount of evidence, you know, easily available. And at understandingthethreat.com at our website, on our resources page, so people can go check out what I'm sharing. And of course, we have our articles on our blog that compiles this into easily digestible pieces. But if I could quickly just say, um, of the many uh, investigations, trials, and things around the country, none was more impactful in helping us explain to the American people what's going on than at the U.S. versus Holy Land Foundation trial, which was a, uh, a trial that took place uh, and, a, and an investigation that took place over 10 years inside the FBI. And it was, it was initiated by the FBI's Dallas field office because the Holy Land Foundation was located in Richardson, Texas, just north of Dallas. And at the time, it was the largest Islamic charity in America, and it turned out it was a, a front for the terrorist group Hamas. And it was convicted in 2008, and um, its leaders were given lengthy sentences. But here's the point. It was the largest terrorism financing trial ever successfully prosecuted in U.S. history. Uh, incredible amounts of evidence, including the discovery of the Muslim Brotherhood archives, or at least one of them, in the United States uh, in Annandale, Virginia, in 2004. And... Uh, the evidence in this case reveals that all of the prominent Islamic organizations in the United States are a part of an organized and coordinated effort, primarily led by the Muslim Brotherhood in the United States, whose stated goal in their bylaws is to overthrow all un-Islamic governments and impose uh, an Islamic state. So that's their their mission here in the U.S. and North America. And so if we look, let's just quickly look at their network. Just very quickly at the, just take a snapshot. We have the Islamic Society of North America, which the evidence in the Holy Land Foundation trial and the prosecution said this, is a Muslim Brotherhood organization that directly funded Hamas and its leaders overseas. Uh, they have subsidiaries all over the country, the Islamic Society of Greater Houston, the Islamic Society of uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, the Islamic Society of Arlington, Texas, uh, Islamic Society of fill-in-the-blank. There are uh, about 350-plus uh, entities around the country. The Muslim Students Association, which was the very first national Islamic organization in America that now has over 800 uh, chapters on every major college and 
campus and university in America, uh, and then a lot of medium size and even small size. And uh, that's a Muslim Brotherhood entity that is a, a propaganda uh, arm of the Muslim Brotherhood as well as a uh, recruiting uh, arm for the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood to recruit people to the jihad. Uh, you've got the mosques across the United States, the Islamic centers. We have over 30, probably now, arguably 3,500, but certainly at least 3,400 Islamic centers in all 50 states. And a large majority of them, uh, we could say well over 75%, are hostile. And uh, so they are used for a variety of things, but they're certainly used to train and, uh, and prepare jihadis here in the United States. So if we just take that as a snapshot, that's, those are big numbers. And so you have a significant network, and that's just a snapshot of three of the biggest, but you've got many others. The Muslim Brotherhood creates dozens of new organizations every year to advance its, its movement here. You know, the, the president has talked about designating Antifa as a terrorist organization, a domestic terrorist organization, and I definitely think he should. I also think uh, BLM should be uh, designated as a, a domestic terrorist in a, uh, group. And is there any reason they shouldn't be? And what's the process for making something like that happen? Uh, great question. Um, yes, I do agree. Black Lives Matter should be designated. You, you know, the issue with all of this that we're dealing with uh, is that there's not an understanding of where these organizations fit into a much larger movement. So the communist effort in the United States is bigger than Antifa and bigger than Black Lives Matter. Freedom Road Socialist Organization is the largest communist organization in America, and it's a Chinese-backed, uh, what I call an umbrella group of numerous organizations. And uh, Black Lives Matter came out of that. The leaders of Black Lives Matter are self-described Marxist communists, and they've served in leadership positions of numerous Freedom Road socialist organizations in America. So you've got a number of criminal violations here, conspiracy to overthrow the U.S. government, sedition, conspiracy to commit murder. Uh, there's all kinds of financial crimes going on when you unpack the funding issues, because you're funding uh, that the president could certainly invoke the Insurrection Act. Uh, but I agree, these Antifa and Black Lives Matter could be designated. I think they should be. I think every legal mechanism should be brought to bear against both the Islamic movement and the communist movement, including Black Lives Matter. Yes. You know, it's kind of ironic. All we hear from the Dems is the Russians, the Russians, the Russians. But the Chinese are actually funding groups that are trying to take our country down. Not to say the Russians aren't, but we, we've definitely got the prints on the Chinese as far as their involvement with BLM and, and the uh, Freedom Road movement. Right. And I want to, you know, as a, as a, both you and Kathy have brought up some good things because people do, first of all, uh, Americans, especially younger Americans, I would say 50 or younger, uh, don't have an understanding of the history behind it. But if you go back to 1964 and the riots that broke out in, uh, in cities across the United States, including Chicago and Harlem, they initiated in Harlem and uh, went across the United States. Those were communist-funded riots that didn't spontaneously start, uh, just like the ones here in the United States did not spontaneously start. Uh, 
they were very well coordinated, logistically supported. Um, if you go back to um, the riots in Hollywood in the 50s, those were uh, Soviet-sponsored communist ri uh, riots of the labor unions. If you look at uh, in the uh, late 70s and early 80s, the anti, especially under the uh, early first uh, administration of Ronald Reagan, the anti-nuclear, uh, I would call some of them protests, some of them riots, were um, directly funded by the Communist Party uh, in the countries they were in, like Italy, Spain, England, uh, and, and by the Soviets directly. Um, so we have to understand when you see a thousand people pop up with pre-printed signs marching around, that's not a spontaneous protest. That's a, a well-coordinated effort. Somebody's paying for it. And uh, you'll find that generally 100% of the time, it's either Communist Party USA or uh, Chinese-backed communists. Could also be Soviet-backed or, or today Russian-backed communists because they uh, are still doing that. But what we're seeing, you're correct, is primarily Chinese-backed uh, communist actions. And, and, you know, to make it worse, it's not like the, uh, the left in this country is hurting for any funding. But now, especially where Black Lives Matter is concerned, you've got all these corporations getting on the bandwagon. Now, I don't doubt that some of them are left-leaning anyway, but I, I, I wonder if all these corporations understand what they're backing when they say, we stand with Black Lives Matter. I think some do. I think it's fair to say that uh, most of them are, you know, appear to be led by people of weak character that are just jumping on the bandwagon uh, so they don't take flack uh, because that's how easily they're manipulated. But certainly from the communist perspective, these are useful idiots. Um, and uh, that that certainly helps greatly. I, what I would love to see, and it wouldn't take much, uh, you know, you could charge one of these corporations with directly funding uh, seditious conspiracy. Uh, you could charge them all, um, and um, you would probably get some convictions. Uh, just like if we would charge uh, John Brennan and James Comey and James Clapper with treason and uh, execute them, uh, if they're convicted, you would see that uh, that would have an impact on their movement. I just had a discussion about an hour ago with a, uh, a guy who's a sheriff's deputy, ran for sheriff in Texas, um, or is running for sheriff in Texas. And he says, you know, he doesn't, he made some public comments, and I, I know him, so I reached out to him to get clarification and say, hey, if you want some help. I'll help uh, get you on board. And he feels he's a little overconfident with his understanding, but he said, I don't think it's right to arrest, you know, teenagers just because they throw on a Black Lives Matter shirt and get in one of these rallies. And I said, well, actually, it's not a rally. It's a riot that is destroying property, uh, stealing and murdering people. And I do believe if somebody decides that they're just going to join and stand in the sidelines while this goes on, I do agree they should be arrested as a part of the conspiracy, um, especially when you understand how far down the road we are in this thing, and we are on the brink of losing it all. And the problem is because there's no understanding of that, and there's no sense of urgency to quell this, and the president hasn't done anything to really help matters at all, and uh, the citizens who are promised in law by the Constitution a Republican form of government who are living under this while local police do nothing, state police do nothing in most cases, 
uh, and the FBI is doing nothing except taking a knee in front of the Washington field office in Washington, D.C., um, it's, it's up to the citizen. And I, and I want to roll that right in real quickly just to say that's what we under, at Understand the Threat do. We actually give people tools to and empower them with tools to identify these networks in their local area, the organizations and leaders, and to dismantle them. And we, give, we show them, here's how you build a team. Here's who you need. Here's how you operate. Here's how, how you employ your team and people that support your team against the communists and jihadis in your community and the, their collaborators to actually deny them the ability to operate and force them to leave your area and go find uh, a softer place to, uh, to set on fire. So if you want to talk about how to protect yourself, you have to go on the offensive, lawfully, but on the offensive. If you think these people are just going to leave your neighborhood uh, and leave you alone, you're, you're sadly mistaken. It's just going to get worse. When you, you, you both know this from your background. If you take a hostile entity, be it a terrorist group, a gang, or a criminal enterprise, and you do nothing to intervene and deny them the ability to do it, they're, they're only going to grow. Oh, yeah. That's the way it works. You mentioned collaborators, and we were talking a minute ago about the different corporations, and, and maybe some get it and some don't, but they do need to be held accountable. So is that something that's uh, part of your program? You know, I mean, hey, there's a Walmart in, you know, everywhere. Everywhere has a Walmart, and Walmart is pitched in with Black Lives Matter. In fact, I think they just agreed to stop selling the All Lives Matter shirt. Um, so... You know, maybe that is that's part of the plan. We have to actually, you know, push back against these different corporate entities that are anywhere and everywhere across the country. Yes, I would agree. And there's all kinds of what we do is we show you there 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 are a thousand ways you can do this, and you're only limited by your imagination. So, uh, you know, we teach citizens uh, basic investigative techniques. Uh, I've found that the citizens that we train uh, have an exponentially better understanding of the threats in their local area than the local police, uh, state police, and FBI agents. And so we've actually uh, had citizens, usually with retired police as a part of their team, putting together investigative packets and statements of fact for the police and the prosecutors to say, hey, just not for nothing, but here you go. Well, why here's They're violating the law. We, we put it here on this uh, little packet. Here are the state violations that they're uh, that are in play here. Why don't you charge them? Here are the here's the statement of facts. Here's some evidence we put together. You know, we're, you make it as easy as possible in most areas, especially after we've seen the police kneeling, police chiefs, uh, just unbelievable. The cowardice and the unprofessionalism is astounding. But uh, kneeling with the the communists on the street, um, so I don't have a lot of faith that many police departments will do the right thing, but I do work with uh, a handful of sheriffs and police departments around the country that want to do the right thing. And they realize that their compadres, the police chiefs getting on their knees are knuckleheads. And uh, uh, some of the police chiefs that we work with have other colorful terms for them. Um, and uh, so that's part of it. Part of it is, you know, get, get 20 people outside of the Walmart uh, with signs and say Walmart supports communism. Walmart support supports death camps. Uh, use your freedom of speech to push it right back on them. 
You're, you're supporting communist China and everything that goes with it when you support Black Lives Matter, because it comes out of Freedom Road Socialist Organization. And the, the founders of Black Lives Matter have publicly admitted on tape they're Marxists. So let's hold them accountable. Let's make them feel the pain in the, in the pocketbook. Just ask NASCAR when they promoted a lie yeah. via a, a liar, Bubba, Bubba Wallace, they felt the pain last weekend. Their viewership was down massively. And you've had people that are lifelong NASCAR people saying never again, not watching another race ever. Screw you. And you know you are a wealth of information, and and we thank you very much for coming on. I hope that we can uh, have you come back again and, and give us some more information. You people, uh, the jihadis and everything, um, you know those pesky little facts that you seem to talk about uh, kind of get in the way, don't they? Um, but as always, it's such a pleasure talking with you. It's it's been a while, and I hope we don't have to go this long again. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on. Valuable information. Uh, and, and be safe. And that is going to do it for today's show. Uh, be safe, everybody. Until next time. This is the Daily Roll Call Podcast, talking Tennessee with Kathy Henners.